And we're back for number two, episode two of No Pucks Given uh, with Josh Whitney. Uh, how's it going today? Great, man. Excited to do podcast number two, episode number two. Hell yeah, we got a lot to talk about today as well. But first, I just want to remind everybody that this episode of No Pucks Given is brought to you by Leading Edge Hockey. You can find them on Facebook at Leading Edge Hockey or email them at leadingedge at our Leading Edge NL at gmail.com. That's leadingedgenl at gmail.com. And let's get started. Let's get into the icing segment of our show. So first big breaking news for uh, NHL news is uh, Ducks fire their head coach. Um, and I'll let uh, you take it away from there for some NHL news. Yeah, about uh, 20 minutes ago. Uh, we got the news that Randy Carlisle has been fired from the Anaheim Ducks. I don't know how it hasn't happened sooner when they're by far the worst team in the NHL right now. Uh, there's a couple bad teams, but losing uh, losing 19 of your last 21 games, that's a bit absurd. Uh, I don't know how he wasn't fired sooner. Uh, but Bob Murray, GM, is going to take over for now. Um, so we'll see how they do with the GM behind the bench. A little interesting. Uh, and in the dressing room every night. Uh, some more NHL news. Matthews uh, became the second highest paid forward behind McDavid, obviously, with his new contract. He's making uh, 58.17 over the next five years um, with an average of 11.634 a year. Um, think that's pretty deserving? Oh, definitely. Austin Matthews definitely deserves that contract, and he will live up to it. And I think Toronto made a great move keeping him ours. 100%. Next, a uh, little trade, not big, but the trade deadline's coming up, which we'll get into a couple rumors later. But right now, Montreal traded uh, David Schlemko and Byron Freeze Freezy uh, for Dale Weiss and Christian Fallen from Philly. Um, two key players who are role players, sorry, not key players, but Dale Weiss, he definitely turns it on when he comes to the playoffs. Um, but Montreal definitely needs a player like that, a little chip on his shoulder, a little uh, a little pep in his step. So uh, you got some news over there as well. A uh, little trade rumors. Uh, big news right now and uh, something that's trending is Artemi Panarin, is, uh, he hired another agent, and uh, he he's ready for his offseason to be a free agent. And I think that's going to spur the – the Columbus Blue Jackets to get going on hit, on trading him. We have uh, rumors that he may go to Nashville, and Nashville's interested. And I really think that'll change the landscape of the playoffs. What do you think about that? Yeah, one hundred percent. Obviously, if they trade him away, they're going to have to give up prospect and a pick. But and the rumor is Ellie Tovanen and a first round pick for this year, which obviously that first round pick is not going to be very big or very very landscape changing for Nashville because they're going to be pretty high up uh, in the playoffs. So yeah, if, uh, if they pick up a goal scorer like Artemi Panarin, uh, ninth, what was that stat you said? Ninth since 2017 in scoring and he's yeah. 60 points in the last 51 games. So there you go. You know, I mean, obviously putting him on a line in that Nashville lineup already with that's already stacked with everything. You got goaltending, you got defense uh, and forwards. If you add him a goal scorer, uh, an absolute star, you know, he's going to be that, – that changes the whole playoffs, you know. I mean, yeah, Winnipeg-Nashville is going to be hard to, you know, decide who's going to win that series. But if he if he's in the lineup, I think that changes the whole thing. Um, but other than that, you know, 
I mean, that's it. That's, that's kind of the biggest NHL news going on right now, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Panarin in the in the next uh, few weeks to see if he is uh, if he does who he gets traded to, and um, obviously trade deadline's coming up, so it will be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, one hundred percent. Let's uh, jump into the NBA, the jump ball section of our podcast. So, yeah, in the NBA, obviously, uh, trade deadline was last week. We'll get into the, the ones that are not most ground-shaking ones first. Uh, obviously, Markel Fultz uh, went to the Magic from the Sixers for Jonathan Simmons, a 2019 first-round pick, 2019 second-round pick. What's your thoughts on that one there? Uh, not not a great trade, I don't think. Uh, great for the Sixers. They, they got good return for a player that um, they – pick number one overall hasn't turned out to be a great player had some shoulder uh, troubles and also his effect as a jump shot now I don't think it's a good trade I don't think the Magic are going to be happy with that they had to give up to get him but only time will tell I hope for hope for Marco Markel Fultz he uh, comes through his injury and uh, turns out to be a great player but I don't think it was a great trade on the side of the Magic yeah obviously it wasn't um, you're giving up first round pick uh, in this year's draft which you know you're not you're not the worst team in the league, but you're not also the best team in the league. You're not gonna you're probably gonna give up a lottery pick for Markel Fultz. He was definitely not worth it. So if you're if you're the Magic right now, you're giving up a solid player. There's a lot of good players in this draft this year. So you're giving up a solid player for a guy that can't even shoot the ball right now. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would do that. Uh, Didn't he, really make sense, did it? No, not one bit, man. Not one bit. Uh, uh, I, another big trade right now. Uh, Speaking of the Sixers, Tobias, getting Tobias Harris. What do you think about that? Yeah, Tobias Harris got traded from the Clippers with Boban Marjanovic and uh, Mike Scott. Uh, the Clippers received Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, who ended up getting traded to the Lakers um, right after. And then Landry Shamit, 2020 first-round pick, 2021 first-round pick out of Miami. Two future second-round picks from Detroit. So a lot of stuff moved in that trade obviously but obviously Tobias Harris uh he's gonna make that Philadelphia lineup stand out a little bit more you know their starting lineup is now gonna be uh Ben Simmons at point guard JJ Redick at shooting guard uh small forward is Jimmy Butler and then you got Tobias Harris at power forward and Joel Embiid at uh, center so obviously that is a solid lineup and if you know, when the playoffs come and the Celtics, if they keep playing the way they're playing right now, obviously the top two teams are going to be Toronto and Philly. So, I mean, yeah, that trade definitely helps them going far into the season. That, that starting lineup is is uh, pretty deadly. I mean, one of the uh, Philadelphia or one of the NBA writers I saw coined that team the Fantastic Five. Yeah. And uh, uh, obviously the F being PH for Philly, and yeah. it's and it is true. They that the amount of talent they have on that team, they have they have no excuses now not to make a run at least probably to the NBA. NBA uh, Finals. However, that being said, Toronto, which is probably their biggest uh, biggest rival right now, probably, I think their biggest competitor in the East, they got Mark Gasol in a yeah. trade, yeah. which is a huge deal for them. Yeah, being a Raptors fan, obviously I love that trade. Um, you know, I, I like I said before, I do love Dylan Wright, and I do like Jonas Valanciunas. Both of them, you know, homegrown talents for the Raptors. They're great players. We also got rid of C.J. Miles um, and a 2024 second-round pick. So, you know, I mean, obviously, Marcus Hall is a great player, and he's going to bring a lot to the team. Uh, the rumors were that Kyle Lowry was going to be involved in that trade and, and involve Mike Conley. Do you think that trade would have been a lot, a lot better for the Raptors or a lot better for the Grizzlies if 
Lowry was involved with that one. I think it would have been a lot better for the Raptors still because you still get Mark Gasol, which is a very important piece of their team, but you also get Conley, who actually is a great point guard. Uh, you do give up Lowry, who I think is a great player for Toronto. Fans love him there, and it would have been hard to see him go, but it would have been, been a better trade. I think it was better the way they did it, though, how they got Gasol mm-hmm. and they kept Lowry because fan kept the fans happy, and maybe it convinces Kawhi to stay, which is huge. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think if uh, you know you're you're gonna have a good center there with uh, with Kawhi, and you're gonna still have Kyle, Kyle Lowry. So yeah, I think that definitely that's big three right there. You know, so that definitely helps Kawhi or convince Kawhi to stay. And yeah, I mean obviously Kyle Lowry is a big part of the Raptors' history. The, the Raptors in general, he's you know he's unbelievable. But a couple of years ago, he said he didn't really you know he was searching for offers anywhere else, and he didn't want to sign with Toronto. So kind of makes sense that you know he was talked about a little bit but I'm glad that they kept him he's a good point guard he's a good player and hopefully you know the Raptors make a push in playoffs uh, and get past Philly all right another trade deadline news we have uh, Anthony Davis not being dealt which is a a big surprise to me because we talked about the last podcast I really thought they should have dealt him because they're about to lose him for nothing in the offseason which I think um, it's kind of on the Pelicans and also uh, Anthony Davis' agent for not getting that done. They should have had that going, get it done. Obviously, uh, huge request from the Pelicans uh, for what they wanted for Anthony Davis. I think it was pretty ridiculous how much they wanted for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, what do you think about him not being dealt? Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of kind of seen that comment. It was it was really really uh, you know out of the blue type of situation where he just you know demanded a trade and asked for a trade and it was so close to the trade deadline but yeah you're right you know you're not going to get a trade when you're asking for you know for the lakers they were asking for kuzma hart lonzo you know who are all first round picks in the same draft you're not and picks involved with that you know i mean yeah anthony davis is one of the best players in the nba but you know why would the lakers give away their whole entire bench or their whole entire team for one guy you know that's beyond me i mean i would never do that and uh you know it makes sense that He's still there, and and you know, and now the NBA is implementing a fine if they sit him, uh, you know, 100k a game because you know they need the best players to be playing every single night, you know, and it's smart that you know they're going to implement that, but it is hard for you know a player not wanting to play there, but now he has to play there, and the team don't want him there because he doesn't want to be there, so it, it is a sticky situation. For it's sure. it is a weird situation because AD, I know probably in his mind he doesn't want to get hurt. Yeah. Right, and he's worried about getting hurt, but uh, they should be playing him. I, I think that's awesome by the NBA. They actually are the one league I think that really cares about what their fans think, and yep. and they respond really quick. And they pretty much told them you better be playing, paying him or playing him, or you you're going to be fine. So I think that was a great. Um, I did see a report come out and said that the Pelicans may have done this to to break you know to break up the chemistry of the Lakers, yeah. and and that that is a possibility because yeah. now I think that's kind of awkward now that they have to go back after the trade line, deadline and act like everything's okay, even though LeBron and Magic wanted to get Anthony Davis and trade away their whole team for him. I, I think that's kind of awkward. You saw that picture. LeBron's on one side of the bench, and, and you know the whole team's on the other side of the bench. There's four seats in between them. You know what I mean? I don't think that meant anything, but obviously the people and, and us are going to think that. But, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. Obviously, if you're on that team, you're like, you know, well, they want to get rid of me. And they want to get Anthony Davis. Obviously, you're probably like, yeah, of course I want to get Anthony Davis. But you're like, 
you know, I don't want to play for this team if they're just going to trade me, you know. but You don't want to be part of a team that you they want that wants to get rid of you. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Uh, another other NBA news, we have the All-Star Draft. Uh, so what do you think about Team LeBron versus Team Greek Freak? Because really, I think one end got a better end of the deal than the other one. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously LeBron, LeBron's starters are KD, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, LeBron, and Kawhi Leonard. All of them MVP candidates, you know what I mean? Like, And then you got on, you know, on Giannis' side, you got Steph, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Paul George, and Kemba Walker. You know, obviously you're looking at this lineup and you're like, you know, LeBron has the best team, obviously. And you got, you got guys that have been on the All-Star team more than... Once every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side, you got only one guy that's, or yeah, only one guy that's been there more than five times, and that's Steph Curry. So you know, I mean, that's just crazy to think about right there. What's your thoughts on those teams? I I, I think the same thing. I think LeBron got the way better end of this, and I, I really don't understand what Giannis was thinking when he was drafting. To be honest, I mean, he he got some great players. Don't get yeah. me wrong. And that trade he pulled off to get Russell Westbrook over or trading <laughs> Ben Simmons, I mean, it was kind of cool. I, I like that they televised it this year also because yeah. I, I think that added a little bit of entertainment to it. Though, I think another storyline here is LeBron picked some guys on his team that he could possibly recruit. So Kawhi's there. I think that's the least likely guy he'll probably recruit over yeah. to L.A. I think uh, Kawhi wants to be a star of a team, and hopefully he stays in Toronto. I think that would hopefully, be an awesome hopefully. story. Yeah. Um, but the big ones I think are Anthony Davis and Clay Thompson, which were his first two reserves they picked. Because yeah. you know Clay's looking for that big contract, and Anthony Davis has already been rumored to go there. Mm-hmm. So LeBron, I think this weekend's gonna or uh, All Star weekend's gonna be pushing hard for uh, to to recruit. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, you 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 know, you see the videos all over social media when he chose Anthony Davis. You know, Giannis called him out on it. It was pretty funny, but. Obviously, he's going to choose Anthony Davis. You know, he wants him on his team. He wants to play with him in the All Star game. You know, he wants to talk to him a little bit. And the same with Clay Thompson. If Clay Thompson goes to the Lakers, if Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers, no one's beating him. You know, and if they, especially if they sign there, because you're not going to have to get rid of any of your other younger players. So they're, they're going to be biggest force to reckon with in the West. And I personally think that, you know, it's, it's possible. I think KD is leaving, but I think Clay Thompson might stay, depending on what's going to happen. But I don't know. It's, it's a, you know, once again, it's going to be an off season of complete change arounds and and for the NBA. But on the other side, on uh, on Giannis's side, you got you know I just counted. You got one, two, uh, three, four, uh, four first time All Stars on Giannis's team. On LeBron's team, you have one first time All Star, and that is Ben Simmons. So right there is just the difference of who's on each team, you know. I mean, obviously Giannis has has uh, he took his teammate from Milwaukee, Chris Middleton. So who's a first time All Star? And you know, I mean, it, it just makes sense, you know. But uh, a lot of first time All Stars on that side of the table for sure. I think LeBron has probably the arguably the top three players in the NBA right now he, himself. Kevin Durant and James Harden all in a starting five. I mean, and then you have Kawhi, who is a freak on the defensive side of the ball, and he can score the ball. So just that right there, it tells me a lot about who's going to have the upper hand, I think, in the All-Star game. But yeah. you never know. You know the All-Star game. Nobody plays defense. No. And who knows how they're going to gel in the game. And it's really who makes the most shots, obviously, in every NBA game, but especially in this because it ends up being 140 to 130 final yeah. score, if not higher. So yeah. Uh, yeah. it'll be it'll be cool to watch. And uh be entertaining weekend for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Some other NBA news: uh, Harden and Westbrook. They uh, Harden's at twenty nine games straight for thirty plus points. Pretty incredible. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Westbrook's at nine straight triple doubles now, and he ties Wilt Chamberlain for the most all time. Yeah, and which I'm sure he's going to take the lead. Uh, I, I think so. I mean, it is hard to get a triple double. It's you know the hardest hardest feat in basketball is to get a triple double. You get, Westbrook you know, makes it look easy though. Huh? Yeah, he does. <laughs> and you know, back when Wilt Chamberlain did it, you know the rules were a lot different. So you know you. He went in there and dunked every single time. There was no, there was no three second violation. There was none of that stuff. So it's a little bit harder for a player this day and age to get that those types of points. That's why nobody's going to touch the hundred point record. You know, I mean, actually, it, you're going to you're going to see Kobe get eighty one, but nobody's going to touch that either. You know, and I mean, the rules were there for him, but he's just an animal. So you know, you're you're going to see someone get close to it, but you're not going to see hundred points ever again. Yeah, but, that's pretty much sums up all of our NBA news, and we'll. Uh, Kick it over to the seventh inning stretch. Yeah, seventh inning stretch. Yeah, so for baseball, nothing really huge going on right now. Uh, Still no big signings, but the biggest news would be a big trade uh, between Philadelphia and Miami. Yeah, so we had uh, JT Real Muto to the Phillies. Uh, so, obviously the big part of this trade is, obviously the Phillies probably get the best catcher in the MLB right now in JT. But uh, Miami got some good prospects. They got Jorge uh, Alfaro as go. a catcher. Yeah, that's but uh, uh, he, he's, he's a decent catcher for him. But they have the real big one on this is they got Sixto Sanchez, which mm-hmm. is a uh, very good young arm. And that was pretty much a must with this trade that they made. Mm-hmm. They, they said he had to be involved. And uh, they got another uh, prospect, prospect in Will Stewart, also a decent uh, decent uh, uh, pitcher last year in uh, the, their uh, farm system. So I think, obviously, the big news is that the Phillies got JT and the best catcher of the MLB. Um, what do you think about that trade? Well, obviously that trade is, you know, really good for the Phillies. Uh, you know, a good catcher coming in. They already have a good team. But the projected lineup for the Phillies, if they are able to sign Bryce Harper, which obviously now with this trade, he is, they're, they're by far the front runners for him. If they sign Bryce Harper after finishing the Real Muto trade, their left fielder will be Andrew McCutcheon. Their shortstop will be Gene Segura. Their right fielder will be Bryce Harper. Their first baseman will be Reese Hoskins. Their catcher is obviously JT Real Muto. Their center fielder is, uh, what's his name, Calvin Herrera? Or mm-hmm. Herrera. Herrera. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, third baseman will be Franco. Don't know his first name. And then second baseman will be uh, Hernandez. Don't know his first name either. But, obviously... The lineup is stacked. You got you got great hitters all around. You got uh, you know McCutcheon's good hitter, Harper's a good hitter, Hoskins is unreal, and uh, Real Muto and Segura. They're all they're all good. Yeah. So you know if they are able to pull this off, are Phillies a candidate for the uh, World Series next year? I think the only question would be with their pitching, right? If they can if they can do it on the pitching side of it, they're definitely going to be a contender, and uh, it makes sense. I mean, we talked about it in the last podcast. Phillies always uh, try to rebuild their team and try to have a good team there for their fans. So yeah. it's exciting for them. And if they can, uh, if they don't get Harper, I got to think they're also one of the leaders for Machado. Not only they were before this, but after that trade, they have to be another one. You know. Yeah. Um, speaking of Bryce Harper, though, no new news on either Harper or Machado really on free agency. It seems forever that 
they haven't signed except for Harper to the uh, met with the Giants now. And I don't know if that's another ploy to get teams to start bidding again, or um, there was a report out there that said they have mutual interest. How does that, if Harper went to the Giants, I mean, what do you think about that move for Bryce and the Giants for that matter? Well, obviously the Giants are always a contender. They have like one or two bad years, maybe one, and then they're back right on top again. So obviously in their division, the Diamondbacks, they cleared house this year. They're going as a rebuild. And the Dodgers, they're obviously always going to be there. But if San Fran can get Bryce Harper, that's going to be a whole different ball game. Like that's a hitter's ballpark. You're, you're going to be, you know, in a good situation over there. You know, they, they have the pitchers. They have, you know, they don't have the best all-around uh, infield, outfield, but obviously Bryce Harper brings that to another level. The other news I have for baseball, um, the Yankees offered Manny Machado yesterday a contract. Uh, they they offered him seven to eight years worth $220 million. There was no exact numbers on the years or the numbers or for the money, but that is the first offer. As a Yankees fan, I don't really want to see him get paid that much to be a Yankee. I don't think we really need him that much. If anything, you got to go after Dallas Keuchel, who's still available as a pitcher. Um, you, you don't need another third baseman. You got Miguel and Duhar, and you don't need to go after Manny Machado, even though he is unbelievable. But I don't think it's a necessary need to pay him two hundred twenty million dollars to go play there. But I totally agree with you. I, I I think that would be the Yankees lineup and the and the guys they have playing their infield. I don't think they need to pay that to have him. I mean, we've talked about that same with Harper. I don't think they need to pay Harper either to come out there to be part of their outfield. However, it would be very dangerous there with that. With that, a short right field porch with yeah. Harper batting lefty. I mean, it would be dangerous for him to be a Yankee, but um, that's pretty much. I mean, I'm hoping we get some updates on where they end up going, and I think it's going to heat up a little bit with the bidding war. And I know both of them, like we said, are just waiting for the other one to sign so they can hop the other one on their contract. Uh, other MLB knows news. We have proposed rule changes. Um, yeah. So just a couple. Pace of play is like the main sticking point here, and that's why they've tried to uh, make these rule changes. So we have a pitch clock, a three batter minimum uh, that they want for relief pitchers when they come, unless the inning ends, of course, and an earlier trade deadline and uh, DH across the board. Yeah, so honestly, I agree with every single one of them except for the pitching clock. I think the pitching clock can be a little bit, um, a little bit iffy, but. Obviously, the designated hitters that needs to be that needs to be made a, a thing because pitchers deserve that little little break in between their in, in between their innings. So, um, and it gives a chance for an, another player to get into the lineup and show their name a little bit and play some play some ball. Um, what was the other ones? The uh, so we have an earlier trade deadline, which is important. Uh, and only one, right? Only one trade deadline. Only ho- yeah, hopefully only yeah. one trade deadline. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's a game changer if you. If you go, like, I mean, every other sport, you have one trade deadline. You don't have two because of contracts and all that stupid stuff. You have one trade deadline, and that's it, and that's how the MLB should make it. I understand that it gives it a little bit more, you know, anticipation to see who's going to get traded at the next one or the first one. But, like, you know, nobody nobody wants two of them. No, everybody wants one, one day that everybody gets traded, just like the NBA. When that happened, that was a lot of fun to watch. You kept getting updates on your phones. You were hoping that that AD would come through, but it didn't, right? But that's what it should be in the MLB. It should be one trade deadline, and that's it. And the next one was... Uh, uh, we had that... Uh, did you talk about three batter minimum? Three batter minimum. Mm-hmm. That 
that is huge too for the game of baseball in general. A lot of people complain about watching baseball on TV and how boring it is. But the one thing I hate about that rule is it takes out the strategy of the game. You got pitchers that get paid millions of dollars to literally come in for one out a game or um, in the playoffs to pitch three pitches or two pitches just to get a ground ball or a quick out. That That is a big part of the game. It's obviously always fun to watch. Um, you obviously can't go in there and make it for the regular season only and then change in the playoffs. But, you know, I think you see it a lot more in the playoffs than in the regular season. I think um, – but I think it's good. I think it's a good rule change for sure. What's your thoughts on those? I, I agree with the pros rule changes only because I, I am a baseball fan, so I'll sit through a three and a half hour game yeah. if it's a good game, and I don't mind watching that. But um, the big pushing point of this is their attendance drop um, from last year is the lowest since two thousand and three. Wow. So I know MLB is trying to push for a little bit of more of a uh, more entertaining game, yeah. and and I think the biggest rule change here, and it would be crazy if it happened, is actually that DH in both leagues. Yeah. And I actually I fully support that. Watching a pitcher come up to bat is usually not entertaining unless you have like we've been spoiled here in Arizona. I mean Zach Granke technically is yeah. one of the best hitters as a pitcher yeah. in the MLB, and he's still not that great. Yeah. I mean let's be honest, we don't want to see a pitcher up there swinging the bat. We'd rather have a, a skill player yeah. that that knows what he's doing. So I'm hoping that these rule changes go through, and I think it'll help. I think it'll help MLB to get, gain a little bit more popularity since I know. That, that's been a huge sticking point for them to try to get their attendance up. Yeah, 100%. Um, last year, we'd go to a couple D-backs games, there's nobody there, you know. You, you pay like four bucks a ticket, you get you get decent seats because nobody goes. So it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, you also forgot Madison Bumgarner. He's probably one of the better hitters in the game, and he's a pitcher. So um, we're going to throw it off onto the NFL, the fourth down section of our podcast. So, NFL news, obviously, um, the only really thing that we're going to talk about is Super Bowl and, uh, you know, what happened last Sunday. Um, we'd made our predictions last episode. Didn't really get any of them right. That was, uh, you know, a hard Super Bowl to predict anything in. Way it. wrong. Way wrong, yeah. So, the only prediction that we actually got right was, um, it was me and I picked the Gatorade color that would be thrown on the winning coach, and that was blue. And out of all the predictions you want to get right, it's probably the Gatorade color one. But, um, you know, MVP picks, I went with Brandon Cooks. He probably had a chance to win it if he made two catches, but he ended up missing both of those instead. Um, and uh, My, my MVP, MVP pick was Jared Goff, and he was he was hounded all day by the, by the Patriots defense. And uh, one of the big things we talked about last week was the matchup between McVay and Belichick. And uh, Belichick got the better of him. He he confused McVay. McVay had nothing for his offense to go out there and do on the field, and made it was pretty embarrassing for Goff. And but like you said, there's two big plays that Brandon Cooks. If he would have made them, I know they were tough catches, and they're actually great defensive plays as well. But if he would have made those two touchdown catches, obviously the Rams would have won that game. And the whole and uh, Brandon Cooks would have definitely been the MVP. Yeah. So obviously. Julian Edelman won it and well deserved. Unbelievable game for him. He was just every every play that was thrown at him, every ball that was thrown at him, he made the catch. He made the play. So, um, if there was anybody else that probably could have won that though, who who would you choose? It's kind of hard because there wasn't really a uh, any other big names in that game. I mean, Edelman was kind of the obvious choice because of the offensive player. I mean, it would have been it would have been hard to give it to anyone else. I would say. 
the biggest, I think the biggest MVP, which will never happen, was the Patriots' offensive line. I mean, they mm-hmm. slowed down Donald and Sue. I mean, Tom Brady finally got sacked for the first time, and he did look kind of uncomfortable all game, but that that offensive line kept Brady up, kept kept them uh, some big running holes for the running backs on the Patriots side of things. And then just on the other side of the ball, too, the Patriots' defensive line and linebackers took advantage of that Rams' offensive line and made, made it a hell, hell of a day for uh, Jared Goff. Yeah, I was gonna say Gilmore from the Patriots with that with that uh, yeah. with that interception. Obviously, that would have changed the whole landscape of the game if he had if he had missed that or if uh, if you know they caught that instead and made made a touchdown. But um, obviously, you know you got to give it to Edelman. But uh, let's slow down <clears throat> on the uh, Edelman to Hall of Fame talks, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's been a great playoff receiver. Only trails Jerry Rice on yeah. receptions in the playoffs, which I mean. Is an incredible feat, and um, but Edelman's been there a lot of times because he's on the Patriots. That doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer, but let's just appreciate how great he is in the playoffs, and and he is a go-to man for Tom Brady. But he is not a Hall of Famer until he can prove it throughout his career in the regular season as well, and continue to put up big numbers. So let's slow that talk way down. Yeah, way. I think it's he's far from that. You know, I mean, you gotta you can't just show up in the playoffs and and get into that. Hall of Fame. You know, there's a lot of players that do that in every sport. Hockey is a big example of that. You got players that get put on teams just to play the playoffs because they're so they're so clutch. So, yeah, I'm not saying that he doesn't do anything in the regular season, but I'm definitely saying he's not worth the Hall of Fame <laughs> jacket at all. Um, so now about the halftime. After we got done talking about the Super Bowl, what did you think about the whole halftime show? Oh, halftime show. I actually, I mean, it depends. If you're a big fan of Room 5, you loved it. But uh, if you're a big fan of Travis Scott, then uh, that was kind of bad for him. He didn't get very much play time, and a lot of athletes weren't uh, typically or very particularly happy with that. I mean, LeBron said something about it. I think we played... Uh, he said something about everything, though. Yeah, that's true. That's a good <laughs> point. I think uh, Travis Scott got more play time on our podcast at the end of our show than he did on the halftime Super Bowl, you know? And then you have... Uh, Big boy that comes out there used to be uh, part of the outcast that yeah. has more, even more of a part than him. It was cool that they put SpongeBob in there because obviously the SpongeBob creator died and there's a big petition online. Yeah. So uh, that was cool. But halftime show was just meh to me this year. Yeah, the halftime show is definitely a letdown. I wish Maroon 5 came out with a little bit more, um, I don't know, a little bit more organized. They sang old songs, which everybody loved, but they didn't sing Sugar, or they might have. But I think they might have, but I, I don't remember. But, you know, I mean, they. They definitely like Travis Scott was a big part of that whole thing. You know, he's bigger than anybody right now. He's one of the biggest singers out there, and you only give him one song, which we we threw that in our last episode, and that was our outro. And we're we're glad that that was the song they chose to sing because we look pretty good with that prediction. But I mean, it's true. You know, Travis Scott definitely should have deserved a little bit more stage time in that in that Super Bowl. Well, you said it perfectly earlier. I don't even remember if Maroon Five sang "Sugar" because it was it was unmemorable halftime mm-hmm. show. It wasn't it wasn't great. Um, maybe look forward to a better halftime show next year. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, yeah. and a better Super Bowl for that matter. Yeah. Might have been the most boring yeah. Super Bowl we've ever seen. So <laughs> very defensive, but you know, if lots you're not of puns. Defense, yeah, lots of puns. Yeah, and actually, she set the record. Uh, that that kicker for the Rams set the record for the longest punt. Longest ever. punt. Good for him. So, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> big. Big thing in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then the commercials, man. The commercials are always something that people that don't really like football to pay attention to have a good time. The halftime show was, was shitty. And then the commercials were even worse. You know, like, I mean, 
you didn't get any good ones. No, no puppies for Budweiser this year. No really good stories behind anything. The best one, in my opinion, was by far the NFL 101, or I think it was the 101. Um, with all those players, I thought that was hilarious. I yeah. thought it was a really good one. I agree. The only good commercial I liked was actually the NFL one that yeah. was affiliated with them. So I'm happy they did the NFL commercial, but every every other commercial wasn't great. Even the Budweiser one they did this year, I mean, you have the typical Clydesdales and you have the Dalmatian on the uh, on the wagon, but it wasn't wasn't memorable like it no. usually is. Usually, you know, Doritos has a good one. I think Devour had a really funny one too. Yeah. Um, but that was it. You know, I mean, usually there's a lot more going on. Uh, but... You know, I think it's time for uh, our new segment that we didn't have last week, but let's put it on this week, uh, three stars. Yeah, three stars, big. What's what's your uh, third star of the week, Rick? My third star is Carter Hart, the goaltender for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Right now, uh, he's his pa- they're, they're on a win streak right now. Um, he's 7-0 and in their win streak with a uh, .934 save percentage and a 2.40 goals against average. He is just absolutely phenomenal. This is his, this is the fourth rookie ever to win seven straight games before turning 21. So, obviously, Carter Hart, I, I don't think there's, you know, Elias Pettersson is 100% rookie of the year, but if you're going to compete with him, it's Carter Hart right now. Okay. If Carter Hart can take this team, who's had more than five goalies in the start of the season, to the playoffs... He's got to be rookie of the year. There's no doubt about it. Not, not a big Flyers fan, but uh, much deserving third star of the week. And uh, one thing I do love about the Flyers is gritty, though. I mean, yeah, he, he, he's official mascot of this show, so <laughs> yeah. we're gonna keep we're gonna keep the grit, gritty show alive. Yeah, gritty. We might have to make a segment for. We him. definitely have to yeah. next 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 episode. Look forward to the gritty gritty segment. Yeah, gritty mascot section. Um, and then the second star I chose Russell Westbrook. If you're if you're out there putting up nine triple doubles in a row. <laughs> there's no question you're a star. So yeah. um, that's all I have to say for the three stars. And the first star? First star is uh, Julian Edelman. I mean, much as he won Super Bowl MVP. You can't really take that away from him. This week belonged to him. Yeah. He's done a lot of appearance. He did a he did the puck drop at the Boston Bruins game. Yeah. He actually Gronk spiked it. He actually Gronk spiked it, yeah, yeah. which is uh, pretty fitting. Unreal. I know you're not a big big Boston fan, but Edelman, Edelman uh, deserves it for yeah, sure. Yeah, he shaved off his beard on Ellen for charity, so yeah. hats off to him for that too. Uh, but yeah, unbelievable week for sports in general. There's a lot to talk about, and you know, hopefully, we get the same stuff next week. Yep. Look forward to next week's podcast. Yeah, and um, before we go, we're gonna kick it off with our top plays as well. Top plays will be featured on our Twitter and our Instagram. Um, our follows our Instagram page at No Pucks Pod. That's uh, at No Pucks Pod. On Twitter, it's the same thing, at No Pucks Pod. And if you go on Facebook, you can find us at No Pucks Given. Um, go give us a follow and check out our top plays from the week. Thanks for tuning in, guys.